Hello, this is Kristen Godsey, and this is my second episode of AK-47, 47 Works of Alexandra Kolontai. Uh, you can tell that I'm an absolute noob when it comes to podcasting, because in the last episode, I didn't really tell you very much about who Alexandra Kolontai was, nor did I tell you very much about who I was, uh, or who I am because I still am. So I'm going to take a few minutes at the beginning of this episode, which is number two, to just introduce myself and introduce the subject of this podcast, the amazing Alexandra Kolontai. Uh, so first, I should probably say that my name is Kristen Godsey. Uh, I'm actually a professor of Russian and East European studies at the University of Pennsylvania, and I've been studying women's issues or the situation of women in the former state socialist countries of Eastern Europe for more or less 20 years officially and closer to 30 years unofficially since I was in Eastern Europe for the first time in the summer of 1990, just about six months after the Berlin Wall fell. I traveled uh, throughout um, the region from Bulgaria to Ukraine what was then Yugoslavia and Romania and Hungary, and then what was once Czechoslovakia, and then into what was also once called the German Democratic Republic or Eastern Germany. And I have had a long interest in this part of the world, and I'm particularly interested in the ways in which state socialist countries in Eastern Europe in the 20th century, despite all of their many very serious shortcomings, did some really interesting things for women. And a lot of the things that they did for women came precisely because of somebody named Alexandra Kolontai, who was this woman who was a Bolshevik and was the first commissar of social welfare in the Soviet Union after the 1917 revolution. So I actually just wrote a book called Why Women Have Better Sex Under Socialism and Other Arguments for Economic Independence. And in that book, I actually have a picture of Alexandra Kolontai and a um, caption or sort of a long caption about who she was. But one of the things that I really regret about the book, and you know, there are always things you wish you wrote about if you had more time and more space. But one of the things is that I didn't really spend as much time talking about who she was and how important she was to these general ideas as I might have. Uh, if I had had more time and more space. So who was Alexandra Kolontai? She was born uh, to a very privileged family. Actually, her father was of aristocratic lineage, and her mother was the daughter of a quite wealthy Finnish businessman. And she grew up in a fair amount of luxury in Petersburg. And she had a English nanny, actually, so she spoke English. She spoke quite a few languages, but she learned English at a quite a young age. Her maiden name was Demontovich, uh, but when she was rather young, she married a cousin, somewhat penniless cousin, named Vladimir Kolontai, and she took his last name. She had a child with him, and she was pretty unhappy with the domestic life that a Russian aristocratic woman was expected to have in that time. And so she eventually left her husband, left her child with her parents, and ran off to Zurich to study. While she's in Switzerland, she 
studies economics and meets a, 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 a quite a interesting group of Russian emigres who are obviously anti-Tsarist and they're hoping to bring some of them are hoping to bring democracy. Others are hoping to bring a socialist revolution to Russia. Uh, and Kolontai gets quite radicalized. So she goes back to Russia. Eventually, she becomes an agitator. She's working with textile workers. She's agitating for strikes and producing literature for various illegal newspapers. She's there in 1905 for Sunday, the Bloody Sunday uh, disaster or massacre. And uh, eventually the Tsarist police catch up with her and she is, there's a warrant for her arrest and she has no choice but to flee into exile. The piece that I'm going to read today is uh, the beginning of a report that she sends or that she writes from the 1907 First International Socialist Women's Conference, which is held in Stuttgart, Germany. Uh, as these podcasts go on, I will give more background about Alexandra Kolontai and give you a little bit more of a sense of her intellectual heritage, her points of view, the things that she was reading, the people that she interacted with. But I, I want to do that more organically. And I also don't want to just lecture. I, I want you to hear her voice because I think that she had a lot to say. And she was an amazing writer, a polemicist. She could really rouse up a crowd. And um, she was highly valued for this by both the, you know, the Bolsheviks and her friends when she was in exile, the Social Democrats in Germany, uh, and, and also the anti-war activists, the pacifists uh, who were agitating against the First World War. She was highly regarded as a speaker and as a writer because of her ability to use incredibly passionate language and incredibly uh, high ideals um, to sort of, to, to kind of use rhetoric to further her cause. So what I'm going to read today is the first section of her report back from the Stuttgart conference in 1907. And then in subsequent episodes, I'll go ahead and read the second and third selections from this report. But, um, and, and I'll also try to give more context for who she was and why uh, she felt so passionately about these issues. But without any delay, I'm going to read now from Alexandra Kollontai's 1907 report from the First International Socialist Women's Congress, which was held in Stuttgart, Germany. A new danger is threatening the domination of the bourgeoisie. Women workers are resolutely adopting the path of international class organization. The downtrodden submissive slaves humbly bowing before the omnipotence of the modern Moloch of capital are, under the reviving influence of socialist doctrine, lifting their heads and raising their voices in defense of their interest as women and their common class interests. While the poison of socialist doctrine had infected only half of the working class, while opposition was concentrated exclusively in the male section of the proletariat, the capitalists could breathe freely. They still had in their power an inexhaustible supply of compliant workers ready, obediently and selflessly to enrich by their labor the happy owners of the instruments of production. With unconscious calculation, the bourgeoisie availed itself of the advantage offered by this state of affairs. It set one half of the proletariat against the other, 
shattered its unity, compelled the women to appear as the menacing rivals of their menfolk, sapping the class solidarity of the workers. With malicious smugness, it countered the resistance of a united proletariat with the indifference of the unconscious female elements. And the more ignorant and dispersed the women remained, the more unsuccessful was the struggle waged by the organized elements of the working class. However, the class consciousness of women workers, once aroused, was sufficient to compel them to grasp the hand of friendship held out to them by their male worker comrades and adopt the path of open and stubborn resistance. The involvement of proletarian women in the common class struggle and their growing solidarity have shaken the usual self-confidence of the bourgeoisie and spread alarm in place of its previous tranquility. The increasing organization of the female proletariat removes the last defenseless victims of capitalist exploitation. The ground is disappearing from beneath the feet of the bourgeoisie, and the light of the approaching social revolution glows ever more brightly. Is it therefore surprising that the bourgeoisie is doubly hostile to any sign of protest among women workers and to any attempt on their part to defend their needs and interests as women and their common class interests and needs? Even in the most democratic and advanced countries, everything possible is done to make it difficult for women to defend their labor interests. To grant the woman worker the same rights as the man would be to put in the hands of the working class a new and dangerous weapon, to double the active army of the militant opponent. The bourgeoisie is too intelligent to agree to such a dangerous experiment. The whole bourgeois world listened with unconcealed animosity to the solemn and harmonious notes that sang out from Stuttgart in 1907 during the International Socialist Congress. But most of all, it was angered by the bold voices of the female proletariat. However radical were the speeches pronounced by the men, whatever mad resolutions they might adopt, the bourgeoisie always consoled itself with the thought that it still had one tested method at its disposal. Break the resistance of the hotheads by replacing them with submissive female workers. And now, a new surprise. From all over the world, women representatives of the working class are gathering in order to forge, by their united efforts, a new weapon with which to fight the world hostile to the proletariat. The daring of women has exceeded all expectations. Yesterday's silent slave is now a courageous fighter for the liberation of the working class. Could one imagine a more vexatious spectacle? Spiteful ridicule rained down upon the heads of the women representatives of the working class, ridicule that failed to conceal the genuine anxiety of the bourgeoisie. The gentlemen of capital and property do now indeed have something to ponder over, something to be depressed about. New successes are being achieved in the organization of the working class, and if, until only recently, the bourgeoisie could draw comfort from the lack of unity in the female section of the proletariat. Now, after the Stuttgart conference, it has lost even this sweet solace. So that was Alexandra Kollontai writing in 1907 about the first International Socialist Women's Congress held in Stuttgart, Germany in 1907. The Women's Conference was actually held a few days before the 7th International Congress of the 2nd International. 
which was held in Stuttgart from the 18th to the 24th of August in 1907. And it was attended by delegates from 25 different countries. And the Bolshevik delegation there was led by Lenin, who did a lot of work to try to consolidate the left-wing forces of social democracy around a more sort of radical um, vision of what needed to happen in order to overturn autocracy in Europe, where it still existed. Uh, So this women's conference was uh, held uh, prior to the larger socialist conference, and it included 58 women delegates from 14 different countries. And the main aim of the conference, which is what I'm going to talk about in my next podcast, was to forge a united tactic for the socialist parties from the countries that were representative to campaign for the inclusion of voting rights for women as part of their larger campaigns for universal uh, suffrage for all sexes, for, for men, essentially. So this is a, a really important moment in Europe. It's 1907. Obviously, nowhere on the continent do women have the right to vote. But there's a lot of agitation going on, and Kolontai is right in the thick of everything. In the next episode, I will read from a later part of the report where she talks about giving women the right to vote. And then in the episode after that, I will read the section where she talks about having an independent women's organization, but within the party, not separate from the party. And this turns out to be a really important difference between the bourgeois feminists and the socialist women's activists. So I hope in this podcast, I've done a little bit of a better job of giving you a sense of who Alexandra Kolontai was and who I am. And if you're enjoying this, I encourage you to please subscribe And if you are interested in learning more about the way that these socialist feminist ideas are relevant to the current day, I also encourage you to check out my book, Why Women Have Better Sex Under Socialism and Other Arguments for Economic Independence. Thanks so much for listening. This is Kristen Godsey with the AK47 podcast, 47 works of Alexandra Kolontai. Until next time, goodbye.